Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for you to come out of those closets, make your bold moves, and quit apologizing for living life the way that you are. And sometimes you might get to that space where you feel like, oh my God, I can't do this. Everything is horrible. You're scared. You don't even know if you're coming or going. You see yourself completely in a victim state of mind. And you might even find yourself standing in a line at the Salvation Army. And then suddenly, everything begins to switch. And I don't mean suddenly like, poof, there's a magic wand that happened, but things begin to happen for you and you step into a space of confidence and you start to see yourself as a successful person. You take the steps that you need to take and before you know it, you have a PhD, you're standing and speaking on stages, you're teaching online courses. And I know for some of you, this may be sounding like, okay, this sounds like a fairy tale. Well, it is not. It is real. And today's guest, her name is Carolyn Colleen, and her and I have gotten to know each other through a program called Booked and Paid to Speak. And as I was working with her as her coach in that program, I thought, you know what, this is a perfect story for Life Uncloseted, because I know Carolyn well enough to know that she is like, just go do it. Let's get it done. And this is where you're supposed to be and how to live your life to its fullest potential and be where you're meant to be and be doing what you're meant to do. And I thought, absolutely want to bring her on. So welcome to the Life Uncloseted podcast, Carol. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Rick. I'm excited to be here. So you've got quite a story. I mean, it was a little bit of what I kind of alluded to, but um, there's more to the story. This, this lovely life that you are creating and carving out and as a speaker and a coach and writing books and everything, um, that always wasn't in the purview, was it? It wasn't. Yeah. No. Where did it all really start to turn? Where did it start where you're like, oh my God, I don't think I can go another day. Why don't you start to give us a little bit of the story and we'll just kind of fill in the blanks as we go for the next 30 minutes or so. Well, it's true. You know, what you say about standing in line at the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. I, I found myself standing in line at the Salvation Army, not knowing where my next meal would come from. Right. Overwhelmed, scared, anxious, and frightful for my own life and fearful mm -hmm. even more so for the unknown. Mm -hmm. I didn't just end up standing in line at the Salvation Army. It wasn't exactly what I had planned. Um, but the events working up to it makes a little bit more sense as to how I got there. Mm. So um, my entrapment into uh, a life of abuse, um, emotional, sexual, and physical started at age four. Mm -hmm. uh, where my overly friendly neighbor stole my innocence from me and continued to sexually molest me for the duration of time that I lived next door. Mm -hmm. I was trapped in that um, specific environment. Yep. Um, and through that stress of, of, of dealing and hiding those secrets um, that come along with the relationship that you have in a sexual abuse relationship, um, further abuse continued. 
So uh, during my childhood, I had more um, abuse from both males and females. Hmm. And I sought to protect my little sister from that abuse. And I, and I was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, however, having I, uh, as her protector, I offered myself in her place. Gotcha. Again, trapped. Therefore, uh, throughout my younger childhood, my middle ages of um, between the ages of around nine to about 15, mm-hmm. I struggled with a lot of uh, feeling completely trapped in my life and uh, not really seeing a way out. Then further on, getting into middle school, dealing with a, an, an environment and feeling very confused and feeling a lack of love, yep. I uh, ended up finding love in my first boyfriend in, middle, in, uh, in, in high school, actually, in high school. And as you might remember, or you know, the audience members might remember that first puppy love. Right. And that lasted, you know, a hot minute. And yeah. <laughs> um, As they always do. That's right. And we broke up, and that was devastating for me. Now, combining all of the the uh, the tragedy previous, along with breaking up with your boyfriend, and um, and just the stress of being a high schooler, I felt there was no other way out of the entrapment that I had found myself in emotionally, and I sought to end my life. Mm. So I found myself in the middle of an emergency room, uh, surrounded by providers who were seeking to pump my stomach from the 25 sleeping pills I had taken in order to numb the pain. Right. Now, as you can imagine, that's a trend of entrapment um, theme. Yep. I came home from uh, the 72-hour hold that um, is mandated by the state to my little sister who had um, been waiting for me, angry. And and confused, and I I came home prom and I promised her that I'd never give up on on life again, and mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I realized that I was a shining light for another person uh, that I didn't realize. I took on the role of protector, but I didn't truly realize, um, you know, how much of a protector that I was for her. Right. And so I did. I promised her I'd never give up again, and I didn't. But that didn't mean I stopped running from the pain. And I ran right into the arms of a man who reflected my self-worth. And there I was, again, into a different kind of trap. Mm -hmm. I found myself uh, in a relationship where my husband loved me so much he'd monitor my food intake to keep me thin and still attractive. Mm -hmm. I found that uh, this type of love um, found me, my time being monitored by 15-minute increments. Wow. I also found that love in this particular relationship was uh, not even five minutes of, of, of solitude. I was not allowed to go to the bathroom by myself because uh, that might sabotage our undying love. Mm. Once uh, you know, you're in that type of an environment, it's hard to see a way out. Yeah. It's hard to see the door. And until um, I, be- I became pregnant and I got married, and until my, the, my daughter was born, did I realize what unconditional love was? Mm. I, I remember distinctly uh, the two-month birthday of my daughter. It was about 4 a.m. as the sun was coming out of the sky. Now, my daughter had been screaming for two months straight, something called colic, and I'm not yep. sure if you're familiar. Yep. But it's, uh, 
It's an interesting journey with a child who's colic. And uh, she'd been screaming for two months. Now, as a young mother, um, not only exhausted from a baby who hadn't stopped crying for two months, but also exhausted from the uh, seemingly never-ending feedback from my spouse on how to be a a better wife at all hours of the night, Mm -hmm. I was scared, lost, and alone. Mm -hmm. I prayed. I prayed at 4 o'clock that morning, and I said, I don't know what what to do. Someone, anyone who will listen, please send me a sign. And uh, in that instant, in that particular moment, as I prayed, my daughter stopped crying. And I looked down at her. And as our eyes locked, it seemed as if she was speaking directly to my soul, saying to me, I'm your sign. And in that moment, I truly understood the feeling of what unconditional love was compared to what it wasn't. Hmm. unending suffering and self-sacrifice so i knew in that moment there was something that i needed to change right i didn't know how um i didn't know when but i knew there was a change that needed to happen and that was an integral moment uh leading up to standing in line at the salvation army Hmm. i got up enough courage to leave while my spouse was at work in between the 15 minute calls that he would check in on me to see what i was up to Mm-hmm. And uh, there I found myself mm-hmm. waiting for food, uh, not knowing where uh, my next meal would come from and afraid because my spouse promised me if I were to leave that he'd end his life in his own so that we could be together forever. So standing in line at that time, knowing that I needed to muster up courage and knowing that I had to fake it until I made it, knowing that I needed to put on a face that would show confidence um, so as not to you know, cause anxiety for my daughter, I uh, came up with a plan or came up with a method, actually, mm-hmm. a method that was born out of necessity yep. and today is used in very different ma- different manners. And that is my, my fierce method. Mm-hmm. It's practiced five minutes at a time in order to gain control of your, uh, your anxiety, your anger, your fear, and use it as fuel in which to launch you forward in a positive direction. So as you went through this experience, which is just, you know, for anyone listening, you've got to go, okay, I can't imagine. I'm sure people have had some pieces of it that have shown up, but probably not to the degree that you're sharing. You had that sense of complete despair and how do I get through this? But it's so interesting to me that it was that simplest of moments when you asked for what you needed, which was a sign, Mm. that it was delivered in a way that you could actually see it. I think some people would have missed even that little moment of, oh, wow, she quit crying. This is the sign. Mm -hmm. Um, For you, what was that what was it inside you that you just knew this was that moment? I mean, this was the sign. You know, Rick, when I was at that moment, I I had hit what some people call a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, up until then, I within my 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 marriage at that time, I had found myself in a way to be addicted to codependency. And so if you put it, if you look at it in that way, I hit my rock bottom. Uh-huh. And once I, you know, once um, you know, people who are looking to break free hit a rock bottom, uh-huh. they're able to then see things they weren't able to see before. Uh-huh. And so 
I had in that moment, I prayed and I asked to whomever might listen. And, and mind you, at that point, I didn't, I didn't have, I had lost a lot of faith in a whole lot of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and given my history, a lot of people could say, well, I don't blame you. <laughs> right, right. And, um, and, and I truly was at that place of, I, I just don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I can continue. I don't, I, I don't want to, um, I'm lost. And so in those moments of true, um, yeah, true rock bottom, true authenticity, true, you know, show me anything. And, and that's how I was able to see the sign. Mm -hmm. The light came on and I thought, I realized, you know, what I had been doing wasn't working. It was time for something new. Yeah. And I, I, I hear this many, many times and, and I know other people who are listening have heard these kind of stories too, but I often believe what gets missed is the rock bottom always seems to be kind of the thing, but sometimes the rock bottom isn't the worst thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the rock bottom is a positive thing. And sometimes it's something that comes out of nowhere that you go, Oh, wow. While I'm here, this thing suddenly showed me the light. So in my case, the rock bottom was the meeting the British guy in London on a whim, having a wonderful night, and then doing what I was used to doing, which was going back to the hotel room to, you know, have this, you know, what I needed. I needed sex. I wanted to feel the comfort of being in the arms of this man, even though I was married to a woman and two children at home. And the rock bottom this time showed me something completely different. And it was a it was a such an interesting journey, and those who've listened to the podcast have heard it before. But it was that interesting twist of I didn't I didn't get what I wanted that night. I actually got something more, which was no sex. I actually got intimacy. I got conversation. I saw conversations that I could have with a man that was outside of the realm of yeah, let's just go in here and let's just you know do the nasty and go be done. You know, with shame and guilt and everything else layered on top of it. And as you're talking, I'm hearing this very beautiful, positive thing stepped forward and said, I'm going to give you a simple yet powerful nudge that I'm listening, I'm here, and it's time for you to make your move. Even though it scared the crap out of you, I could hear that as you were telling the story. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to do it. Even in the throes of, as you so beautifully shared, you're addicted to codependency, that addiction and people that are in that, I don't think they realize that's really truly what it is because mm-hmm. you, you get into those spaces. And because I was raised in a household that very much is that way. Um, it's such an interesting space to be in. And so as you broke free from it, things begin to happen for you. And I'm not, you know, I said in the intro that it wasn't like suddenly there was a magic wand and everything was great, but I can't help but feel from just what you've shared so far that it was that moment that you saw and heard your daughter stop crying, that that was really the first little glimmer of hope and courage and confidence to go do what you were going to go do next. So take us further now. You didn't just suddenly, okay, now here I am, I'm speaking on stages and all this sort of stuff. There was something that planted the seed, but where do you go from there? Yes. Yes. Very true. And, and yeah, to, into paint a little picture. It, I, yes. I had that glimmer. I had that hope, but it didn't mean that I left immediately. Mm-hmm. It took me, a, it took me a year 
just a, a year in which to muster up the courage to leave mm-hmm. the back and forth, the self-doubt, mm-hmm. the, you know, okay, well, I, I will, I'll, I'll, I will, I will escape. I will leave today. I'll do it. And then you talk yourself out of it and then Absolutely. You, you know, you go back and forth and, and yeah, it took me a year. And, um, and then yes, once I was, I left, there's also the going back. Oh, mm. I, I didn't mean it. I, I didn't go back, but I thought about it for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the struggle. Um, but don't you think in that struggle, and I hate to interrupt you here, but I think this is kind of something interesting to like bring to the listeners is in that struggle, whether to go back or whether to, for me to, you know, okay, well, maybe I can stay in this marriage and this was just a fling even though there were many, many flings, but you know, this one was like, okay, he showed me something I hadn't seen. You know, maybe I can go back in those moments. I believe is when our truth really begins to take a stand and say, okay, are you going to get serious here or are we going to keep playing this game? And that truth really stands up to us. It's always there. And as I've worked with people and talked to other people, and we've had such beautiful stories, you know, throughout the time on the podcast, it's always been this thing, but this is the first time I'm actually putting it in this framework for people to hear that when your truth really sees you ready to do that thing, it's going to stand up really tall and yes. really strong. And it's not going to back down because it knows you're ready. Exactly. I may take you a year to get there, but I sensed as you were sharing that, it's like, okay, that truth is there. And you know, yes, the phrase, the truth will set you free. Well, yeah, the truth is standing there waiting to set you free. And I think for most people, once they reach these moments, these crossroads in life, the truth says, okay, I'm here and I'm done playing games. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's kind of what was going on for you is that year was your truth going, okay, girl, come on. Are we going to yep. do this or are we not? Exactly. And, and I'm sure you're familiar with this whole kind of back and forth, you know, finding evidence, yep. you know, trying to justify, but not, and then, you know, it's, co- you know, it's comfortable. You get used mm-hmm. to certain things and, you know, a certain way. Yep. And then, and then the uncomfortableness and the fear of that and what's out there. And so, yeah, the struggle is real back and forth, back and forth for a whole year and then collecting evidence like an FBI detective. And then finally, um, you know, able to just say, Hey, okay, I, I, am, I, I, want, I want to live my truth and I want to live it for my family. And so, you know, I, I wanted to live that for my daughter. Um, and that's when I took the leap mm-hmm. and, um, and, and getting and building that confidence. And so from the Salvation Army on to a new door mm-hmm. opened. So I had escaped the cycle of abuse. Now, abuse all through childhood into my first marriage. I jumped out of that circle, but I jumped right into a new circle, mm. which is a circle of poverty. Mm. Now I went into low-income housing. I didn't know, you know, I tried to patch together food from one food pantry to the other. Yep. And I struggled a lot. And it's a lot why a lot of people go back to their abusive relationships is because they don't know how to make it. And, um, and so I had to formulate. I had to formulate a way um, to break through the self-limiting beliefs, the anxiety, the um, the fear. Mm-hmm. And I broke it down into five minutes. And a, and a wise 
person said to me, hey, Carolyn, it's okay. You're going to do this. You can do this. You've got it. Yep. They said, just take it one day at a time, one day at a time. And this is a very common way to look at things is one day at a time. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I thought about one day, absolutely not. I thought, well, right. I might as well give up then. This is way too much. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I needed a new way. And I, I decided that I can do something for five minutes. Yep. I can, I can deal with something for five minutes. I can calm myself down. I can try to get some clarity. I can focus and I can act. Mm-hmm. I can do that for five minutes. And if I can muster up that, I'll just focus just on that five minutes. And, uh, and that's what I did five minutes at a time. And I layered it five, 10, 15, mm-hmm. into 30 minutes into a half day. Soon enough, it was a full day. Soon enough, it was a full week. And looking back, I would have realized my progress. And that is exactly where my resilience started to build, mm-hmm. where I built the muscle of confidence and I continually built the muscle of courage mm-hmm. in which to push forward. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because you and you and I have talked about this, um, you know, in the past, how similar um, our, our processes are. But the courage and confidence piece to me is it's such an interesting one to play in because people are like, well, aren't they the same? I'm like, no, <laughs> they're not. You can have all the courage in the world, but that doesn't mean you have the confidence and you can have all the confidence in the world, but that doesn't mean you have the courage to move it forward. And I think the two play so nicely hand in hand and it doesn't matter which way you want to put it, you know, the chicken before the egg sort of concept. I think for Everyone that I have worked with, and when I get to this space with them of what do you have the courage to do versus what do you have the confidence to do, and we kind of work through it, each person's going to do it differently because some are going to have confidence to do certain things, but man, the courage to say, I'm leaving, or the courage to say, yes, I'm gay and I can no longer do this. There's courage in that. Now, confidence is standing in it and being who you are. But for others, the confidence is going to be, I'm totally who I am, but it's going to take great courage to say those words. So it's just, it's so interesting. I'm glad you said those words because I think this is where we can truly give people some tools and and we're going to talk about, you know, your fierce and how you use this in the five minute sort of stuff. But what I loved about the five minute thing is, you know, we always hear the phrase, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see anything. I don't, I don't put judgment on that. If that works for people, great. I prefer to go from the space of what's manageable for you because somebody's baby step could be, I can do this an hour at a time. Others, it can be, Oh, I can do this a day at a time, but what's manageable for you. That to me is where you got to start. What do you, what can you manage? Because for every one of us, it's different. And how somebody else does it is going to be different. And I know you've done some stuff with Hal Elrod and, you know, his Miracle Morning stuff. For some people, that's like great and I love it. But I also encourage people when they find something like that to truly make it work for them, however that looks. You know, you may not be able to start out doing the, you know, the, the Miracle Morning right out the gate, but you might be able to start to do a piece of it and then you add another piece of it. You know, and this is what I think is so fascinating. So as you begin to go through this process, because this led you, this, all of this stuff from standing at the Salvation Army to leaving to all of this stuff began, at least what I know, to really, truly develop this fierce piece of yourself where you could see this is what it takes for me to do this. 
So take us into that fierce piece. Where did that start to really develop for you? Yes. So to go and to explain exactly building that muscle in, Mm -hmm. you know, fierce developed into, you know, Rick, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of anger over my childhood um, in my, and in a lot of, you know, flashbacks and Mm -hmm. things that would pop up in the middle of the day, you know, sometimes I would just simply zone out and had no idea um, I'd, I'd have, I'd hear, I'd smell a particular fragrance and I'd start to remember a memory that I didn't want to remember. And so I needed a way in which to harness a lot of these things, mm-hmm. you know, people who struggle with anxiety, overwhelm, um, anger, things like that, all these negative things. How do we, what do we do with them? Because they're real. Um, and so what I did is I harnessed them. So fear stands for a way, a way in which to take a lot of that negative um, emotion and kind of ball it up, grab it and hold on to it and use it and harness it into fuel. Now you have choices. You always have choices. You can either use that anger, that frustration and push you in a direction that's negative and self-harming, right. or you can take it and you can use it for a positive change. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who have been through very similar situations as me and um, you know, they are suffering. They are entrapped in addiction. They are, you know, um, perhaps homeless. I do have people who have grown, I grew up with that are homeless and they lost custody of all their children because of um, you know, their, their choices with that. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted a different path. And so um, I didn't know how, but I right. borrowed the love that I had for my daughter until my self-love caught up because mm-hmm. sometimes you have to borrow the love you, you have for another person until you teach yourself how to love yourself. Um, and so that's exactly what I did. I took that anger, I harnessed it and I pushed forward five minutes at a time. And as I pushed forward, what that meant uh, to me at that time was to be able to secure a safe place to live. Mm-hmm. To uh, the first time that I, the first night that I stayed in low-income housing, someone down the road got stabbed, wow. and um, I was the only one with a phone. So they came and used my phone to call the police. After the police left, I promised myself that I would get out of that that neighborhood mm-hmm. and and find a safer place for my daughter. So. I had to figure out a way. Now, if you're familiar with low-income housing and, and the way that some of these systems work, they're broken. Yep. And, and so the more income that you try to make, the less assistance you, you get. Yeah, exactly. Not enough to make savings. Same thing in the, as the opposite. The less yep. you less money you make, the more assistance you get. Still not enough to make savings. Right. So um, I had to figure out a new way. I registered for college because um, I found that, you know the only way I was going to get a higher paying job was with an education. I worked 60 to 70 hours a week doing as many cash jobs as possible, bartending, waitressing, babysitting, cleaning houses, Mm -hmm. um, and retail working retail store job. And so, um, I combined all of that. I saved money and I pushed and I grinded and, um, I did that until I was able to get out of the low income housing into subsidized housing after that continued on through school, push, 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 and kept going. And through using that method, the five-minute method that I, um, that I teach and I use, and I've helped thousands of people break out of their um, self-limiting um, beliefs and their, their, their self-limiting emotions, um, 
to use in their lives, I was able to continue to grow, grow my career, um, use my past um, tragedies and adversities to be rather than something that happened to me to happening for me mm-hmm. and um, continue to push on through to PhD and, um, and being, leading, leading a, a cancer center. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, here's the thing that you just brought up, which we've heard in different ways before, but you captured it in a way that I've never seen it packaged quite this way. The whole borrowing the love for, for another person and giving it to yourself until you can, you know, fill up that bucket of self-love. People in general, they just have a tough time with this whole self-love concept because we've been told so much that that's selfish. You're not being, you're not a good person if you, you know, want to do something for yourself and blah, blah, blah. And that's all it is. It's a bunch of bullshit in my mind. True. Because, and it's interesting because I was actually having this conversation with a client this morning as he was talking through the potential of leaving his wife because it's not working. It hasn't worked for a very long time. And she's very comfortable in the status quo and he's not. Mm. And of course he's worried about his kids. And I said point blank to him, how good of a father are you being to those kids right now by staying in the situation? And now Mm. I want you to envision what kind of a father you will be on the other side of this decision. When you give yourself the permission to go be even happier, to be more productive to be more alive because he used that word. He said, I want to feel alive. I'm like, so you obviously are not feeling, you're not dead, but you're surely not excited about life. And I wish I had heard this then because I would have shared it with him. And then I probably will on our next session about this borrowing the love for the moment, getting yourself in that really beautiful bucket full of self-love because as soon as you have that, it's so much easier. So much easier to then turn around and give it back to others and to go do things and to be in your power and not to be in guilt, not to be in shame. And I think this is the big lesson that I hope everybody walks away from this conversation with is that borrowing and giving it to yourself, even if it's just for the time being, I know I learned so much about myself when I started to truly love myself. Yes. So really quickly before we start to wrap it up here, let's talk through the fears. What does the fear stand for? Because I know everybody's curious and we're going to give people, we're going to give you all some tools that you can interact with um, Carolyn here with some free stuff. And also we're going to give you a link to her Fierce Academy because that's how we roll here on Life on Closet. But real quickly, what does the fear stand for? Yes. So fears is a concept. So it's definitely an acronym which yep. we can post in the notes, but truly it's more, it's the concept that I would, I'd like you to understand because that's exactly the, the usability of the tool, the, the fierce concept. So mm-hmm. it's truly, it's one breathing. So taking a deep breath, a breath to get clarity. So it's getting that, that deep breath, gaining clarity to clear your mind in order to be able to focus on a goal. Mm-hmm. Now, it's modern science combined with ancient history right, and ancient wisdom in which to breathe. We forget how to breathe. We end up holding our breath, especially when we're in a moment of anxiety and overwhelm, yep. when we think about the greatness that could be. And so breathing. So that's B. Then the second piece is um, F, 
which is uh, focus. So focusing on that one goal, what is the one thing that you need to be able to do right now? Yep. What is that? And keeping it clear, taking a deep breath and focusing on that one thing. Mm-hmm. And the other F is fierce action. And when I say fierce action, I'm saying um, taking whatever is holding you back, fear, anxiety, overwhelm, harnessing it and using it as fuel to push you forward. Mm. So I like to, within the concept of fierce, I like to use this little acronym, which is BFF, your new best friend forever. Breathe, focus, fierce action. And how, you know, thousands of people are using it now as I go out and I teach and I speak and I workshops and events and it's phenomenal the amount of examples that I have around people using it. Now, this was born from necessity, but now it's used for many, many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, I use it from going from meeting to meeting during the day for a reset. So, uh, taking a deep breath, a moment of clarity, focusing, okay, what is my next meeting? What is my next coaching call? What is the, yep. what is the, the goal of the next thing? Yep. So that's my focus and my action is to get present. Hmm. Um, and, and if my goal within you know, a particular meeting is to um, gain clarity, gain wisdom, then I know that my action is to ask questions and listen. Um, you know, we, this is something that's not, you know, it's not something that, that is um, absolutely original, but when put in the right order can be phenomenal. Right. Are, you know, we've done this before. If you recognize how you've used this before and take credit, and that's how we build resilience is by recognizing that we've done this before. If you think about, you know, the first time that you uh, looked at riding a bike, when you looked at that bike, you realized your action was that you wanted to ride the bike. You took that's a deep cool. breath focused on riding the bike, hopped on, fell off, got back on, right? Mm -hmm. Breathing, Mm -hmm. focus, fierce action. Mm -hmm. And then when you decided that either you wanted to go to college, not go to college, you had to get a moment of clarity, you had to think of a goal, and you had to take an action. We've all done this. Mm -hmm. You got your first apartment or first house, you had to take a moment of clarity, you had to think about the goal, and you had to take action. That is how you work the fierce process. Mm-hmm. It's um the same with I have uh, I've had high school students a specific high school student come up to me about bullying and say hey I use this method because I deal with bullying and I want to graduate high school and what uh, what this particular student does is she will take a deep breath in between classes because it's five minutes in between classes that she and she gets bullied yep. and walking down the hallway she'll take a deep breath get a moment of clarity think and envision the next class that she needs to be at. And as she's being tormented down the hallway, rather than reacting and and throwing a punch out at those kids, the kids that are, that are taunting her, she keeps her arm in arms in. She remembers to be fierce and she remembers she doesn't want to end up at the principal's office again. Uh And she pushes forward. Uh Same thing with um, someone uh, who came to me and shared that she has severe social anxiety she used this method in which to gain clarity when she needed as an entrepreneur to be able to show up and speak at an event network that gave her huge anxiety, but she thought about fierce and she thought, yes, I can do this for just five minutes. Exactly. Soon enough, she was able to work her way through a crowd, gaining many contacts. Soon enough, she realized that she was, she didn't even have anxiety anymore. 
She looked at the clock and it had been a half an hour and she had already had um, gone through the room and made contacts for her business by simply taking a deep breath, focusing on the goal and taking fierce action. Mm. And so there's so many different examples around how this is helping improve other people's lives. And that is exactly the reason I wanted to have you on here because I think so many people get stuck in these closets of life and the simplicity of the process that you just outlined, anybody can do it. And when you start to think of life in chunks of five minutes, I know some people go, oh my God, really? Well, yes, we actually live every moment of our life, people, second by second, if we really want to nut this down. So five minutes is really nothing. In fact, it's pretty simple. But the easier we make it for ourselves to chunk life into small little bite-sized chunks of getting by and enjoyment and succeeding, it becomes so much easier to navigate. It's Mm -hmm. when we put life in this big thing of, okay, this has got to happen. It's going to take this many days. Yes, that's reality. But man, what if you chunked it down? What if every bit of a project, every bit of a relationship, every bit of a challenge that you know you have coming, you use Carolyn's process and we're going to give you a way to get that. She's got a beautiful giveaway that we're going to have on the show page where you can get her fierce action guide, um, download it with a bonus video that explains everything. Plus, we're also going to have a link over to her fierce academy where she takes people deeper into this work and um, really helps people take these stands so they can truly unleash themselves into a fierce space of living life the way they want to. So um, anything else you want to leave the audience with really quickly before we wrap it up here, Carolyn, because you've done a beautiful job of laying everything out and sharing your story, but is there something special that you'd like to say if somebody's kind of struggling that would kind of push them to that next space of, okay, I'm ready to breathe, to focus, be fierce and take action. Yes. Um, I would just like to say that for me, it seemed as if, you know, the unknown future was, you know, something that was so fearful mm-hmm. that I didn't want to look at it. And, and to, be, to be quite honest, once you get on the under, other side, it's not as scary. Mm-mm. It's never as scary. And so it's actually, you know, a whole world of possibility. Mm-hmm. And I, think most people, if they took a moment to really think about the scariest things that they've ever had come up in their life. And I love that you and I use a very similar philosophy. We've already done all this, people. Trust us. Everything we think is scary, we've already done. It's mm-hmm. just been wrapped in a different wrapper. There's nothing, there's really nothing that's any different. It's just, it's showing up in a different way, in a different challenge, in a different thing that we might be confronted with. But for the most part, 99% of what you're going to do, you've already experienced and done it in some way, shape, or form. And I love this beautiful framework that you presented to help people truly step into stuff with four simple activities. Breathe, focus, be fierce, and take action. Yes. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so for having me. and yourself. And um, I know you and I will we'll continue to connect because we're out there doing similar stuff and crossing paths everywhere we turn. So, um, But thank you for sharing yourself. And um, this is a kind of a special episode, folks, if you didn't catch it, that maybe you need to tell your mom this Mother's Day because we're just a few days away from it. Maybe if your mom is struggling with something, 
maybe just give her the gift of fierce and share the link and say, mom, here's something that might help you. And this is my mother's day gift to you. So, um, by the way, happy mother's day to you, Carolyn. I know you've got three beautiful children, so hope you you. get to really enjoy it. And, um, thank you again for being here and being part of my family on the life uncloseted podcast. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating and review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.